Shana Tova, everybody. Shalom. Welcome to Baruch B'Shem Yeshua. It is great to be with all of you here today. Make sure to go and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. We are going into the new year. We are in the midst right now, in the middle of Rosh Hashanah. And uh, leading up to Yom Kippur, and this is my favorite time of the biblical year. It's my favorite time of the biblical New Year. You want to know why that? Why this is my favorite time of the biblical year? Because of the fact that what happens here, here is the wheat are separated from the tare. That's what happens here. We get people being elevated to a higher mandrega, and we are able to see their observance through them becoming more more mature in their belief, them exercising more of their faith, and getting rid of the sin in their life. And I'm going to be looking at this in a different way than we usually do things on this program. Everything is still in the realms of halakha. Everything is still in the vein of Brit Shah and the uh, Tanakh, all of those things. But just the vantage point in which we are going to be looking at this is going to be a little bit more all-encapsulating and surrounding. This episode will probably be longer than our other episodes, which is going to be problematic for many people, as you will find out here within this. But I encourage you, please take this hour, it may be close to an hour, out of your day to listen to this all the way through, okay? Because this is very important, because this is going to help us to get to our spiritual root of our issues. No matter what it is they are, no matter what it is that you're trying to have Hashem work on you, through this time so that your name is written in the book of life. Okay? I'm going to start this off by saying that, first of all, we constantly on this program look within the internal. We say look within ourselves with the guidance of Hashem through his Ruach HaKodesh and with the guidance of our Rebbe Melech HaMashiach, Yeshua HaNotzri, to help us to reach a higher mandrega each and every single day, each and every single hour, each and every single minute. But the thing that we have to realize is that the internal as well as the collective, the individual and the collective, there are things that influence one another. I have these statistics here from a Christian doctor by the name of Dr. Harvey Palmer, and he is over at Cornell University, or this is where it is that he submitted this study. And these are some interesting statistics here. He says, and I'm going to run down the statistics here. I'm not going to try and stop with all of these here in between and try and give a response to all these. But instead, we are going to look at these in the realm of the collective idea of what it is that we see here. He says that inspiring phrasing 
and inspiring teaching, 85% of the congregants are more responsive to those things. Okay? So if everything's positive, everything like, hey, we're going to have a great revival during the tribulation, no matter how unbiblical that concept is, 85% are more responsive. So that becomes a part of the narrative that goes forward and spreads. Cited sources, 83% of individuals in the congregation automatically tune out and do not retain. Their minds go on to other things like what's happening in the football game today. What am I going to do after I get out of here? Man, I'm getting hungry. I wonder I wonder what uh, the local cafeteria is serving up. That's where the minds go. As soon as it is that you start to sound like, you know, some sort of scholar by going and giving cited sources, 83%. Gone. Nope. He also says the vocal dynamic tricks the brain into re-engaging and restarting the clock. This is something we've talked about before with cadences and all those things, how it is that that is taught within seminaries and, yes, even within that yeshivot, all across the board. This is something that is taught, something I don't do here on this program. I'm myself here. 91% of congregants will stop listening if they feel convicted, 91%, wow, 94%, 94% leave a church if they are challenged in their ideas despite the evidence that is presented to them, 94%. 78% leave if growth and discipleship is pushed upon them. 78% leave if they're told, you being stagnant in the same place that you have been for the past five years, that's not cutting it. You need to draw closer to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the Messiah, Yeshua. 78% will leave their congregation. 67% leave if they are not entertained and given secular amenities. In terms of the secular amenities that are sourced, sourced here, doesn't say exactly what that means. My best guess, it's like, you know, having the nice bookstore, having, you know, the coffee shop inside the congregation. You know, the flashing lights, the music, all of these things that make it sound like a rock concert you're going to on Sunday. Let's go and get hyped up by the secular amenities. It's so funny because whenever it is that you go to an old-timey church where a majority of the congregants, sadly, are not my age, they're in their 70s, 80s, been going there for decades. Or if you go into a synagogue, these are the places 
that this 67% will say, I have gone back into the land before time. I will not be showing up to one of these places. Why? Well, because 91% are going to leave already because they feel convicted because those are the places where sin, how to define sin, realizing that you're a sinner, those are the things that are taught. 94%, their ideas will be challenged. They're going to leave. That's why you don't see old-timey megachurches. There's no such thing because there's no there there's nobody to attend these things. None. These things become a part of church and synagogue. These things become a part of those things because eh, just like going and upgrading your TV. You don't have an old CRV TV with tubes in it anymore. You got the flat screen. Everybody has a flat screen now. Nobody uses a CRTV. In fact, they don't even make the plugs to go in. You know, if you get a streaming box or something, it's like, oh, yeah, he, that thing's not going to work with that. Because it doesn't have the plugs, you know. You can't go and plug a VCR into a, you know, one of the new TVs. It just doesn't work. Because you got to have the coaxial cable or, you know, something like that. It's just not going to work with your flat screen TV. You got to have the new stuff. You got to have the HDMI. You got to have the AV and all that stuff. You know, you got to have the separate lines. It just is incompatible. And so what happens is these places then go and turn into, okay, well, you know what? The old crowds died off. New crowds coming in. We need to go and build this back up. You know, inflation is through the roof. Everything is harder. You know, we are not going to be able to sustain as a church or a synagogue unless it is that we go and uh, kind of bend to the secular ways of society. Let's go and start utilizing TikTok. Let's go and make our sermons little things that can be posted on TikTok. Why? Something I've talked about a lot on this program. People's attention spans are very, very short in today's day and time. I remember when I first started doing biblical teaching shows podcasts and all that um back in like 2008 2009 somewhere around there me and my original co-host jj rocks we would end up doing a two-hour show three days a week every monday every wednesday and every friday and it was interesting because at that time this is when People started live streaming radio uh, through internet radio when they started to, you know, YouTube wasn't quite there yet to do the live stream. We had things like, um, oh, there was this live service that was like $50 a month that we did a free trial of that was for video. People really didn't pay attention to that. Now it's all about video and all that, you know. And I'm getting into a little bit into the weeds here. But two hours 
three days a week, we would have people, a majority of the people that would tune in would be like, I am sticking around for that entire two hours. They would be in there and they would analyze everything that we talked about. They would correct us on things that we had wrong and all that stuff and present us cited evidence. Then we'd go on the next day and say, you know what? We may have been wrong about that. You know, and this listener went and submitted all this and, um, you know, there may be some merit and we talk about it. And we talk about it. And then our audience was kind of growing with us because of the fact that they were seeing us grow. And these people would tune in for two hours, six hours every single week. And sometimes we do a bonus show or sometimes we would go on other people's show. So who were also an hour, two hours long. Every single week we would do that. Every single week. And that's not even including the breaks. They would be taken in between to play the commercials that we had to for the other people that were on the networks we were on. These people would go and listen because they had a yearning to get closer to God. You know, and to be perfectly honest with you, they shouldn't have been listening to us, you know, because we were very uh, new, very out of the gate. Our zealousness was much more than that of what we actually knew, okay? I listened to back to those archives. I did that a couple of years ago, and I said, oh, my gosh, I was so wrong on so many things. I had no business teaching on any of that. And, um, you know, the thing is that we see how it is the society has changed. So now we have the churches, the synagogues going the way of those secular things. But what does that have to do with Yom Kippur and Rosh Hashanah? What does that have to do? With the time in between there, why why are you bringing this up? The thing is that Dr. Harvey Palmer is also, his doctorate is in psychology. And the, whether we want to admit it or not, the outside world, especially the groups that we are surrounded in, they influence us. We are influenced by the people at our jobs. We're influenced by our friends. We're influenced by family. We are influenced by the things that we watch, listen to, all of it. We are influenced by the outside culture. Despite the fact that we have Nishmat Chaim, a divine spark from Hashem, that makes every single one of us an individual, we are still influenced by what is happening around us. We are still influenced. We can look at what many of these congregations are doing now. They are championing, championing, championing the sin of the LGBTQ LMNOP and the rest of the alphabet soup, their agenda. 
You have the Methodist Church that had been dying for a very long time. The Episcopal Church dying for such a long time saying, you know what? We need to modernize. We need to go and get rid of the things that we thought that we said that were sin for the longest time. Because you know what? We need to we need to go and get butts in these seats again. Otherwise, we are really going to go under. I got to ask, what would John Wesley think of those? Churches and synagogues. In his day, if they were doing these very things. The secular society influences. The things that it is that we see on TBN. Man, that that church is so beautiful. Look at all the decoration. Look at, check out how great that band is. Oh, man. Guy's got the perfect cadence. He's look at that. He's walking back and forth. He's going and he starts out really, really soft, and then he gets really loud. Why isn't my church doing that? Why is it? Because it's performance. It's performance. That's the reason why. Today's society, we we go and we look at those things and we say. This guy's on TV. That's the way church is supposed to be. That's check out this guy on YouTube over here. Two million views. This is what um this two million views. That means he's right. We are influenced by these things. We are influenced as well by. Sometimes just crazy. <laughs> Used to be a part of a group that um, nowadays thinks the earth is flat. And thinks that it's a biblical concept. That you're going to go to hell if you don't believe that the earth is flat. You guys have run across this. Ten years ago, it's like, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah that person needs to be put into a home. <laughs> you know, there's something wrong with this cat. You know. But nowadays, nowadays, like, oh, you believe the earth's flat? You believe that uh, even though you're a boy, you're actually a woman? <laughs> hey, that's fine. That's fine. Did you say the prayer? Did you say the prayer? All right, cool. Cool deal. Cool deal. Hey, hey, hey. You said the prayer. You can go and bow down to aliens if they try and invade us. And you're fine. You're fine. This type of culture right now, what this does is it influences the individual. If we listen back to sermons that are 40 years old, my gosh, it's like going into the twilight zone. It's like this is totally different than what's being taught now. Totally different. That time we had people, you know, sitting over there saying, this is what is sin. Stop doing it. It's not a good road to be on. Nowadays, it's like, God wants you to be rich. God wants you to have the nice cars. God doesn't want you to go through any sort of trial and tribulation. Growth, man, don't worry about growth, man. Just give me all your money. That's kind of the way that it's seen now. 
and we're influenced by this. And it makes sense with all of these statistics that Dr. Harvey Palmer brought up here. Now, this is in direct contradiction to the time between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And why is it in contradiction? It's easy to figure out. Because we go and we look at the scripture. We go and we look at the Torah. We look at the words of, the Mar of our Messiah. We look at the words of the sages of Israel, of the rulings of the Sanhedrin. It says, this is sin. Don't do this. This glorifies God. This does not. These things are recorded in books. Things that it is that you don't have to have an, inter an internet connection for. You don't need a screen for this. You don't need to pay any sort of subscription for these things. These are things that require you to do the work to pick up off of your bookshelf and to sit there and say, you know what? I'm going to spend some time in God's word. I'm going to look at these things introspectively. I want to be the person that it is that Hashem wants me to be one step at a time. I'm going to mature more and more every day by constantly picking up that book from my bookshelf. By constantly setting aside a time, more time every day than I spend in front of my screen. And I am going to learn how to become a follower of the Messiah and strip sin out of my life. People today do not want to hear that. And this is the separating of the wheat and tear. A person can go and put out the most blasphemous thing on the internet, put it up there on YouTube. People are going to remember it for about a week. Then the per person goes and deletes it, all that stuff. It's gone. It is out of existence. People forget the guy that they were calling a heretic a month ago is now the greatest thing since sliced bread the week afterwards the word of god and our walk with hashem do not operate like the internet it doesn't one of the things that i do every single year Around the time of Tishbayov is I go and I make a list of where it is that I've matured in my walk, the sin that I have cut out of my life. And then I write down, which is pages long, of the sin that I struggle with, sin that I have committed. We all need to do that especially during the time between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and say, Hashem, 
equip me to strip this crap out of my life. Help me to make the effort to do it and to not just sit back there and say, I made the effort. I couldn't do it. That's how it, I tried. How often we hear that? How often have we heard people do, do, do that? Didn't I tell you to do this? I tried. I forgot. I got more important things. No, stop it. Stop it. That is not how it is that the disciples operated. That is not the way that the Guf HaMashiach operates. Sorry. It's not. And when we do that, that conviction comes in. Saying, whoa, 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 whoa. I, was, I thought I was hot stuff. I thought I was the guy. <laughs> Our ego's then very much exposed. I thought I was the person that everybody's supposed to be listening to, but then it's like, you look at that list of all the sins that you've committed that year. It's like, oh my gosh. I didn't realize it was that many. What the hell's the matter with me? That's where we need to be during this time. That's where we need to be. And we see... And we mustn't, considering I talked about how it is that we are influenced by the collective, we mustn't use that as an excuse to say, well, you know, that's what everybody else is doing. It's interesting because during the time of Genesis 6, says that Noah was a sodic. He was a righteous dude. Not many people in, in the Bible are called righteous dudes. Not many. And it is in there, but I, I got to ask you, would Noah be considered a righteous dude today? Considering he ended up getting drunk. No, he wouldn't. No, he wouldn't. And when we look at the words of the sages, it says in comparison to the rest of the world. So we could say, you know, compared to the rest of the world, you know, I'm a, I'm a righteous dude because I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that, so on and so forth. That doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. Because there actually is a form of progressive revelation, not in the way that the, that the, uh, the, the modern theologians uh, have kind of framed it. God changes mind. Nope, God doesn't change his mind. But just like a person who is in kindergarten, there are certain things that they need to learn. We were in kindergarten during Genesis 6 right there. You know, this is kindergarten. This is us getting our footing at this time. And then us going and taking the dice and shoving it up our tuchus with all the sin that it is that we were involved in during that time. Oh, this show is really raw. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And through that time, we were given the Torah of Hashem. We were, we went astray from Hashem. We had the prophets of God come in and say, you know what? You need to get back to the ways of following Hashem. Every time that we read the book of Jeremiah, Yeheskel, or any of the others, book of Nehemiah, all of them. It's all about the time between Yerush Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Come on back. 
Come on back. The Basarot, the Gospels. Shame on you, Messianics. Shame on you, Hebrew roots, for not realizing that the biggest testimony of the time between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur are the Basarot, are the Gospels, are the New Testament. The entire New Testament should be required reading for that te- for that 10 days because what is it about? It's about the stripping of way of sin. It's about living for Hashem. It is about salvation through the Messiah, Yeshua. That's what it is. It's the story of Jesus. No, it's the story of our history. How it is that we got churches all over. No, no. It's about restoration. It's about seeking God and trying to find restoration, about getting rid of the sin in our life. That's why it is that Yeshua chose the disciples he did. That's why it is that he chose tax collectors. That's why it is that he chose fornicators, people who had demons in them that he cast out. And he said, you come and follow me. And he says, go and take this message and take it to the nations. Take it to the four corners of the earth. Why? So that we could get rid of sin throughout the entire earth. That's the message between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. We could spend a lot of time on Leviticus 23. We could spend a hundred times more on just the Bessel Road. Leviticus 23, great. It says to do this. Okay, that's all I need to read. No, stop it. Stop it. Every single sect of Judaism, every single one of them, during this time, if you are a part of Breslev, they're going to bring up Rebbe Nachman every couple of sentences. The same with Chabad, Menachel Mendel, Schneerson, Lubavitcher Rebbe. They're going to bring him up every couple of seconds. And how it is that they had helped their people to fight sin during those times through that time of the, pers- of the perspective that he gave them. Do we think so less of Yeshua that we're like, oh, no, we're not doing that. This new thing, the Torah that I've come across, um, I I read Leviticus 23. I'm good. That's it. It says to go and do this, to blow a shofar, to go and, uh, you know, to fast. That's it. That's that's all I got to do. That's it. That's it. No. No. This is a time where we strip ourselves bare. We strip ourselves naked spiritually. And we say, Hashem, reveal to me the things within me that need to be changed. Reveal these things to me right now. And let me tell you something. If you are sitting there saying, you know what? There's not really much I need to change. You are a liar. You are not one of God's. I am sorry. You're not. I 
have pages and pages full of things that cause me to lower my face, lower my head, and say, oh, God, please help me. Please help me to be closer to you, God. Please help me. Every single one of this. Or maybe it is that I am just a complete scumbag. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. I think I, 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 I work really hard to live for God each and every single day. To make the changes in my life that I need to every single day. And I see every single year just how much I fall short. And let me tell you something. When I started working on my list this year, I was in tears, man. I was in tears. I'm a pretty tough guy. 95% of the time, I'm pretty tough. But when I was putting together this list, and this happens to me every single year, every single year, brought to tears I think as we mature and we mature more and more if we are observing Yom Kippur Rosh Hashanah as we are observing those times we become more mature we increase in our humility And we point fingers a lot less because we're reminded, (laughs) wait a minute here. Somebody can go after me about this. Somebody can go after me about that. God can go after me about this or that. How arrogant am I to dare go after this one or that one? There's times that individuals need to get involved in the affairs of others. There's times for that. Where they say, hey, I'm coming at you man to man here. I need to talk to you about this. I'm worried about you. I'm worried that you're going down this path that is not so good, that is filled with sin, that is just going to snowball, become more sin. It's going to lead to this, that, and the other. You do that, as it says in Matthew chapter 17. They reject it. You go and you take two. You go and you do that. Then it progresses to the point that if they still don't listen, it goes to the elders of the assembly. And there's times that that is that that needs to be done. But I choose during this time to say, you know what? Right now, all of that's on pause. All of that is on pause because you know what? I can look at my very own life and see where it is that God has taken me. God has taken me, a guy who, you know, years and years ago, incredibly scummy, incredibly scummy, engaging in every kind of sin that you could possibly think of when I was around 20 years old, engaging in every kind of sin that you could possibly imagine. And God 
caused me to fall on my knees in prayer as I was waking up from a particular sin. A guy who was a pagan at that time loved the darker things. And I found myself on my knees praying. And so many of those things were stripped from me. Look at the Apostle Paul. This is a guy who cheered as believers were being killed. This was a guy who persecuted the believers in Yeshua, Jew and Gentile alike. This was a guy who engaged in that. He had that encounter with Yeshua on the road to Emmaus, and it changed his life. And Yeshua said, this guy right here, this guy who cheered on as Stephen was killed, this guy who ended up going and persecuting the believers in me, I'm going to get that guy to write two-thirds of the New Testament. I'm going to get that guy right there to write two-thirds of the New Testament. His words are going to be read by every believer at this point for over 2,000 years. This is the guy I'm going to make a shining example. I'm going to take Matthew, a tax collector who is skimming off the top. I'm going to make his gospel the most well-known out of all of them. I'm going to do that with him. This is the message of Yom Kippur. This message right here. This time right now, these 10 days, is not a time to be looking at. That's what this guy's doing wrong. That's what that guy's doing wrong. Because let me tell you something. I think, and I pray, and I hope, and I hold out the hope that during the time of Yom Kippur, many believers are going to be taken to a higher mandraga. There are going to be lives transformed. Why? Because those names who are written in the book of life are emboldened. They're taken to a higher mandraga. And some of them, some of them, are being called to evangelism. They are going to be the tools that helps other individuals to be taken to a higher mandraga throughout the year. There are going to be lives that change. There are going to be drug addicts who put down the crack pipe during the time of Yom Kippur. Their names are going to be written in the book of life. There are going to be fornicators 
who go and say, I am done with this. I am living my life for Hashem. And they're going to be taught, taken to a higher mandrega. There are going to be people in prison who have murdered people, who have raped people, who are going to fall on their knees and they are going to find the power of God. And it is going to change their lives. And it's going to change the lives of others in those prisons. I think this is going to happen this Yom Kippur. Because what is happening right now is we are fighting the evil of the world that is within. We are permeating out from ourselves that shalom, that glory of Hashem by killing the Yetzirah within us during this time. Amalek is being defeated at this time in many lives of believers and of Orthodox Jews right now because we are killing the Yetzirah within us. And many are being taken to a higher mandrega. Okay? Guys, I want to thank all of you for joining me here today. I want to wish you all shalom brocha, peace and a blessing, chag sameach, shana tova. Shalom.